When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What? Yeah. No, I'm... Yeah, I'm behaving myself. I'm, no, I'm not playing in abandoned buildings. What? Again? Now. I suppose you had those people follow me again. Fine. Hey. This is Jimmy Farrell from Monty and the Farrell, and I want to thank all our subscribers. We have now passed 14,000 on our YouTube channel. But I want to ask our subscribers to take the next step for us and become a full-fledged member of Monty and the Pharaoh. Yeah, that's right, folks. There's three different levels to choose from. There's free shirts. There's free autographs. Just check it out and become a member of Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaoh. Later. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty DeFaro, where you just saw us with 
independent wrestler, right? Yeah. James Bonavia. Yeah. Pretty good interview, right? Dude, that guy was great. He was great. He was great. Awesome. At At the panel in the producer's room is... Spider-Man, a.k.a. Jared. Jared, how are you? How's it going? We're trying to get the fans to know Jared and make you yeah. know, so they start to build that relationship with sure. each other, right? Absolutely. Jared was sharing with us that he saw the new Spider-Man, and it was really good, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Well, Spidey's on top of Spidey. All right, so we got to get to our guests pretty quick, but sure. I think the fans want to just hear our way in, and when we get after commercial break, speak to Mr. Atlas about it. Okay. And everybody's been weighing in on it. The big news, of course, is Sasha Banks and Naomi walk out as historical precedent. Um. WWE Women's Tag Team Champion Sasha Banks and Naomi walk out on Raw Monday night dissatisfied over creative plans not only for the show but generally for the titles and tag team division themselves, according to, there he is again, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. He's got a lot to report, Mr. Sapp. Thoughts about this whole deal? I wasn't too happy when I heard it, but let's not forget we're not inside the business. But as far as I'm concerned, I thought that this was a bad move on their part. Uh, Sasha Banks has caused problems in the in the back before. I think this is a mistake. I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't know what she's so dissatisfied about. I'm sure she makes a very decent salary with Vince McMahon. And uh, you're currently the tag team champions. What's the issue? What is the freaking problem now? You know. So to me, I thought that this was a bad move. It's a bad move for Naomi. I think that the WWE booking has been very, very good with Naomi in general. And because uh, I don't think she's all that, but that's me. Um, I don't like it, but that's how I feel as a fan. I'm like, you know, regular schlebs every day got to struggle and, and, and do what they got to do just to get by to buy a TV dinner. And uh, you're getting paid. How much are you getting paid? And you don't like the creative direction while you're a tag team champion. Boo-hoo. Wah, wah. Loose, where Loose Cannon says Sasha's going to sashay herself over to AEW. I'm going to really make this clear. Go ahead. This is a breach of contract. Yeah. They will never work again in professional wrestling as long as Vince McMahon decides never to have them work in professional wrestling again. So, okay. again, and Tony probably be able to speak this a little better once we come a commercial break, but mm-hmm. every time you're out and you don't wrestle under mm-hmm. these contracts, your right. contract just keeps getting extended. Right. You know, a.k.a. Jeff Hardy. That's why Matt left and Jeff was still there. Right. Right? It keeps extending. Sure. So they decide to walk out. They could actually just have them sit there, not pay them, Mm-hmm. And they'll never wrestle again. They better hope Vince isn't too pissed off right now. Something else, uh, no one uh, in particular, but CM Punk, your friend Phil Brooks, He's not uses dynamite to stand up for the people's rights for abortion. Now CM Punk is—is is this pro wrestling or like like it's like going to a U two concert? You got to listen to Bono, like you know, do a spiel. Keep it out of it. Go wrestle. What is this crap? Phil, shut up already. Can't I'm say. serious. Can't shut up, Phil. It's enough already. You, I mean, you said it right there, he's man. He's bitching constantly. Stop. Go wrestle. All right, that's the start of the show, Jesus. Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Oh. Um, hey, how you doing? Jimmy Farrow's part of the band <laughs> with Stereo Hall. Stereo Hall could have their song seen on all YouTube. <laughs> all over the I'm place. I'm all over the place. Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Apple Music and Reverb Nation catch their songs such as In My Dreams, This Life, and Not Far Behind. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know who uh, Jimmy Farrell's partner of Wisteria Hall was, it is Bart Griggs. <clears throat> I'm sorry I got knocked off script. That's there. okay. Bartman! 
And if you didn't know it, you are watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. Catch Monty Nefaro on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, Monty Nefaro Facebook Live page here on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on the Monty Nefaro Twitch TV page and Channel 115 every Tuesday at 9.30 or Saturday at 11.30 in New York. And Channel 20 at Tuesdays at 1 a.m. where over 100,000 people are watching Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. We also want to thank... Amazon Music for adding Monty Nefaro to their list of on-growing programming. Yes, sir. The fans have been waiting for this for a very long time. We've been waiting for this for a very long time. And after this commercial break, we've got the world-famous Hall of Famer, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. And uh, this is going to be one hell of an interview. We will be back with Mr. USA after these commercial messages. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence. Collision Specialists. 631-261-6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto Excellence. That's right, folks. Canine Corral. For all your dog daycare and overnight care, call 631-549-1544. That's 631-549-1544. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. (sighs) Well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental. Long Island, New York, 631 900 dump. Hmm. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. And before <laughs> we get back to this Hall of Famer, I just want to read some comments. Jay Will says Naomi in the Funk Didelix and George Murdoch Tyrus were very good on if Fox funk News. Funk yeah, I remember that. Scott Cassius says Farrell versus CM Punk. Tony Greer you know says all the Farrell's power power has gone to his head. What? Uh, Chris Lee says Bartman. <laughs> What's up, Chris? Total Disaster says Monty Nefaro like to show off their fancy college education Here and expensive wardrobes. Here we go again. All right. Oh, so anyway. Mr. Tony Atlas. Yeah! Thank you. What's going on, everybody? Looking good there, T. You look good, brother. Is that Not it? Not bad. Not bad for 100. Not bad Not for 100. Bad no. For 100? But I was listening to y'all. At the beginning of your commentary there Uh-oh. about uh, some of the stuff going on in the WWE. Mm-hmm. In uh, the early 80s, Vince McMahon Sr. gave me the world. Captain Lou Albano came up to me and said, Tony, they're going to go all the way with you, all the way. The only person that could hurt Tony Atlas is Tony Atlas. Well... I had this girl down in Los Angeles, California, and I kept talking to her and I kept talking to her fat. I couldn't take no more. I hopped an airplane and I went to Los Angeles, California to be with this girl. I figured I'm a big star. They bring me back, and they did. That same night, we spoke to me and S.D. Jones. Rocket Johnson was not in the territory then. It was okay. me and S.D. Jones, especially Liberty Jones. And we, and we just work an anger with uh, uh, Saito and Mr. Fuji. 
and they was the WWE World Tag Team Champion at the time. Well, I got a little hair up my butt, and I decided I'm going to skip out on it. That was the same night that they were going to put the belt on me and S.D. Jones. And that was one of the reasons why I asked S.D. Jones to induct me in the Hall of Fame to pay him back. Because I always felt that I owe S.D. And if y'all listen to S.D. Jones when he do my Hall of uh, Fame introduction, he speaks on that. He said they kicked him to the curb and they put Rocket Johnson uh, in his place, which is a true story. I say that to say this. Sometime in the rest of the world, we get what's called the big head. And we start believing our own publicity. Shasha Bank, Becky Lynch, had one hell of a, hell of a, hell of a opportunity. They would be nowhere without the WWE. I would be nowhere if it wasn't for the WWF, NWA, and all the people that helped me. I wrote in my book, My Success in Life. I owe to thousands and thousands of people my success. My failure, I only owe to myself. It may not hurt Sasha Bank and Becky Lynch for what they did now. Down the road, when they get old and gray like me, they're going to look back on that. And the first thing they're going to say, what a freaking idiot. Plain and simple. There's so many people lined up in this world. I worked independent circle a lot. And there's so many independent wrestlers that we love that opportunity. And we don't got to the place that we got a good opportunity. People treat us right. And my mom said, you never bite the hand that feeds you. Vince McMahon made Shasha Bank what she is. He made Becky Lynch what she's in. They owe Vince McMahon a great deal of gratitude. In the world of wrestling, I know people talk about the new group, the AEW, TNA. Until you wrestle for the WWE, you're not in the business. You're really not. Every great name that is out here in the wrestling world came from WWE. That is the, the bedrock of pro wrestling. Vince McMahon, good or bad, saved the wrestling business. There was no way the wrestling business could have continued the way it worked. So he created a way where he could keep wrestling going, and not only keep wrestling going, but put it in a position where we could compete against other major sports. Sure. We could compete against football. We yep. could compete against basketball. Yep. We could compete against baseball. And we never had the opportunity before, but I'm just man. Sasha Bank and Becky Lynch, if, if what y'all say is true, and I'm not criticizing them, that's why I told what I did first. They made the same mistake that I did. Now, Sasha Bank done that one time before, and they excused her. Well, I did it one time before, and they excused me. Mm -hmm. But the sucker time... When George Scott became the book of the WW, uh, was WWF there, mm -hmm. and sent me to California for four shows, and I made one <laughs> mm. out of four. Oh, boy. They couldn't handle that no more. Right, right. So eventually, she going to hurt her own career. Because even if she go with AEW, AEW going to be afraid of her because they're going to say, well, she might do the same thing to us. Right.
Right. You know, if you see a dog bite somebody for trying to pat them on the head, and then you try to pat them on the head again, dog bite you again, I don't think you're going to try that third time to pat that dog on the head anymore. Nope. And I don't think Vince is going to pat that dog on the head no more. Right. So sometime in our life, we have to be more appreciate. I mean, Vince made them to the hardest women's stars in the world. My favorite of all the women wrestlers is Charlotte Flair. Mm-hmm. I think she's the most outstanding athlete. And and, and, and I, I knew her father. I worked with her father. I always think that Ric Flair was one of the best entertaining wrestlers that I've seen in his heyday. I thought that Ric Flair was absolutely phenomenal he was. in his heyday. Yep. yep. And I think his daughter is a chip off the old block. Agreed. But for you to bite the hand that feeds you, eventually it'll come back around. And when you leave the WWF, you don't move up the ladder. You move down the ladder. Because it's the biggest, best organization in the world. How many female wrestlers out there you think would love to get that opportunity? Countless. Countless. Nobody, nobody in the WWE except for Vince McMahon and the office is going to miss Be- Becky Lynch. The fans will forget about her one month after she's gone. Because they love wrestling. And if you're not on stage... They're going to watch the wrestling. They're not going to stop watching Vince because Becky Lynch is not on the show. Here today, gone They tomorrow. didn't stop, yep. rocking, uh, stop watching wrestling when Hogan was no longer part of the, of the roster. Mm-hmm. When Stone Cold left, he was no part of the wrestling. People still watch wrestling. They like wrestling. So the only person that Becky Lynch and uh, Sasha uh, Bank, Bank yeah. is hurting in themselves. Mm-hmm. Self-inflicted rooms. Why do you think Naomi would have made this decision with Sasha? Naomi is, of, of course, in the in the uh, family. She's married to an Uso. Like I said, you get the big head. Mm. I had the big head. Mm. You know, I, a lot of air been let out over the years, but I had the big head. <laughs> you know, I can, thought the bubble would never burst. Can, you started believing your own publicity, now, and, and you forget, like this. Junior, he probably don't remember this, but he told me something one time. <laughs> it's funny now. At the time, was it funny? He said, Tony Atlas, your only problem was you forgot who owned the company. If somebody gives you opportunity to make a success in this world, in this world, whereas machine had took the place of a lot of human uh, employment mm-hmm. and, and jobs are scarce and prices are high. Gas is four dollars a gallon. Uh, rent is twelve, fifteen thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. for rent. Mm-hmm. School is expensive. Everything we we live in inflation. Now think about how smart it is for a person to quit their job during an inflation. That ain't too smart. Not really, no. You know, people are struggling to make ends meet right now. And these folks got a job that, that, that well, you make a lot of money. Charleston Bank probably make more money in one month than I make in a year. Yep. And I, the most people make in a year, she make that in one month. She's on television. She don't have to get her hands dirty. In fact, when you look at the life of a wrestler, we work, I mean, actually physical work, not kept the traveling. The traveling is the bulk of, of, of our job. But when she's in the ring, what, she do 10 minutes in the ring. And make thousands of dollars for 10 minutes of her time. Right. For minutes, right. not right. even an hour. Right. I mean, Ric Flair wrestled an hour before. 
But Charlotte Bank never wrestled for a full hour. Ric Flair did it. Harley Race did it. Mm-hmm. Now, how many people in this world, Martin Farrell fans, would love to have a job that would pay you thousands of dollars for minutes of your time? Mm. Sell your merchandise and give you a royalty check afterwards. Right. Put you on television, put you in movies, and make you a household name. And then you turn around and say, up yours, buddy. Yep. I done that. Sounds like somebody I made a mistake. I suffer for it now. Yep. You know, yep. I didn't think much of it at the time. Yep. But now when I look back on it. Understood. Tony Atlas, well, I ain't changed that much. I changed a little bit, but not that much. Tony Atlas was dumber than well shit. <laughs> so, Tony, no stranger to you. We just mentioned CM Punk also, who's now in AEW. He's now starting to use put. You're political. We talk about politics all the time. Yeah. But how do you feel about a wrestler coming out against abortion, wearing a T-shirt during a wrestling during a program? wrestling event? Is there a place? He said he's for it or against it. Well, either way, he's either making way. a statement during a wrestling show. Is there a place for that in pro wrestling? And he's for it, by the way. But regardless, he's he's wearing a shirt on national television. How do you feel about that? Well. I'm not for abortion, but I'm not a woman. But if my daughter should get raped or have incest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would not want my daughter to raise a child that was the product of a rape or incest. Uh, Do you feel CM Punk is like pushing? I think, I a think bit? CM Punk. I think CM Punk and Tony Atlas and every person that cannot get pregnant mm-hmm. to stay out of it. I think that they okay. should do a thing where all the women vote on it. And it, and in between her and, and, and God, like, mm-hmm. like I said, I, if I was a woman, I wouldn't do it. My mother had nine kids. Uh, one of the things that people should look at instead of always talking about abortion, 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 it's of uh, no woman on this earth have ever, ever, Except for Mary, that made a baby without a man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the man is just as much involved in that child life. And most of the time, the woman that gets the abortion, the man the one that pays for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that men that want to be promiscuous, like I used to be, I, I've stopped being promiscuous because things don't function like they used to. <laughs> So that's the only thing that cut me out. I mean, the women's got tired of me giving them thirty suckers of love making, you know. Mm. And that and that the whole thirty sucker. That's getting dressed, doing it, and putting the clothes back. But Damn anyway, Damn I think men should concentrate more on that. They should promote bisectomy because the bisectomy is short, is easy. You can do all you want to do, and it's reversible. Mm-hmm. Even with a woman having a baby, she's taking a risk of 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 of, of, of hurting herself. Right. And if she have a child, she's taking the risk of hurting herself. Uh-huh. So if if more men would think on the term of getting a bisectomy, if you want to be promiscuous or, or use a condom. Uh-huh. But I'm for one, I could not, I would not want my daughter to be aborted, and I would not want my child to be aborted. If the woman don't want my child, give it to me. I, I raise it. Mm. But I like I say, I'm not a woman, and I think it's more that that the women of America should get together and make a decision on. What they think that should be. Very but interesting. For, for CM Punk or Tony Atlas or any man to talk about what, what 
a woman should do with her body. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, after a while, you're going to tell a woman she can't drink milk on a Sunday. Mm. By the way, Donna Barber says Sasha Banks will make a lot more money when OnlyFans comes knocking on her door. OnlyFans. Mm. They make lots of money with they that. They do. She that made a lot do. of money. That mm. they do. Tony. Um, and plus, what she did in the WWE, she's going to be able to make money after her time in the WWE. Right. Can you imagine all the, all, all the sure. events that are going to book sure. her and do like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. But, but if you get a reputation, like the one thing about me and everybody that worked me, Marty, and everybody that worked me know about me, there's two things that Tony Atlas hates. I hate being late. I hate missing a show. If Marty's going to book me, I'm going to call Marty every day so I get all the information I need because I don't want to mess him up. He put a lot of time, effort, and money in the Marty and Farrell uh, uh, broadcast. And I feel that it's an absolute honor. It's an honor for me, Tommy Wildfire Rich, or any wrestler to get this opportunity to be on the Martin Farrell show. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. You know, Martin, you guys are keeping us guys alive. People have never got to hear the Tommy Wildfire Rich story if Martin had not mm-hmm. brought him here. Mm-hmm. You know, I sat and listened to the story, and it, and it really impressed me. I, I don't want with Martin remember the time you had uh, Mr. Hughes in. Okay. And he was telling the story about what he did with the glasses. Mm -hmm. How they kept fogging up. Mm -hmm. They kept Mm -hmm. falling off his head. And then he fixed it so they wouldn't fall off it. That was the most interesting story I've ever heard in my life. Right. But the the fans would have never known that if he had never had the opportunity to be on the Marty and Farrell show. Right. So y'all do a great deal. And and I got so, I appreciate what Vince did for me. I appreciate what the WWE done for me. And I appreciate what Marty and the Farrell not only do for me, but do for all the wrestling. And I think Sasha Bank and all these people, they lost appreciation. And Here's someone has a lost appreciation. Rally Wellborn says, Tony actually helped and helped save my life. Who said that? This is Rally Wellborn. He says, Tony actually helped in helping save my life. Thank you, Tony. God bless you, sir. Well, and thank you, Marty man. and the Farrell. Hey. There you go. That's fantastic. Tony, unfortunately. Because that happened for me. You know, my wife saved my life when she got me off the drug, got me out of the street. And then Vince McMahon saved my life when he brought me back as Saba Simba. It gave me the opportunity to save some money to go back to school, get my education, to become a personal trainer. So I, I owe a great deal to my wife, Monica, and I owe a great deal to Vince McMahon Jr., because, you know, I, right now, I, I'm becoming more and more appreciative of things. Because things don't come to me that often anymore. Understood. So when I do get, in order for me to appreciate what I had, I had to lose it. Understood. Understood. Once you lose it, what the old saying, you don't miss your water until your well run dry. Well, Tony, recently. I saw another thing. I want to say this real quick. I know sure. y'all got other things to talk about. Sure. I saw a lot of stuff about Ted DiBiase. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know much about his business affair. Mm-hmm. But I was in the Toronto Comic Con. It's probably about oh, maybe fifteen years ago, where the promoter screwed us. He took the money, took off. He left me stranded. I didn't have money to get back home. Didn't have a plane ticket because he gave me a one way ticket. Told me to give me the other half when I get there. That's why I like now. I like to get. I like to have everything if I go somewhere. You know, I want to have my hotel. I want to have this. I want to have that before I take off. And my round trip ticket before I take off because I got screwed by by trusted people, 
and I trust this guy. Now I'm standing in Toronto. When Ted DiBiase walked up to me, and uh, he said, Tony, what happened? So I told him what happened. He said, you got money to get home? And I said, no. So he get on his phone. He make reservation for me. He come back. He gave me the money for the plane ticket. He said, now here, he asked another guy, said, can you take Tony to the Buffalo Airport, Buffalo, New York, from Toronto? The guy said, yes. He said, I need gas money. Ted gave him money for gas. There was a lady that drove us around during the time we was in Toronto. She used her heated oil money for gas. She got screwed. Ted paid her. Now, there may be some stuff. I hear some people talk on Hannibal about Ted calling their names and all this and that stuff. I can't say nothing bad about him. You know, I don't know what his business practice was, mm -hmm. but that day, he saved me. He helped me. Mm. There was nobody there that gave a red ass about me. Mm. All the other wrestlers said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Tony. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Tony. Ted didn't say I'm sorry to hear that, Tony. He, he gave me money to get a ticket home. And that's the one thing that I always remember about him. Now, none of us are perfect. I mean, I have done a lot of bad stuff in my life. I try my best not to do these things no more. I, I try to learn from, from my mistake. But uh, I, I can't talk bad about a person that helped me, no matter what they did to someone else. Now, probably what he did probably was not the best thing in the world, if, if it's true. Right. But I don't know I wasn't there. Right. But I just right. want to say that little bit about Ted before y'all moved on. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, unfortunately, since the last time we've we've seen you here in the studio with us, um, and you did work with the, the man for several years. Sir, you need to speak up. Dan Marotti. I can't hear a word you say. Dan, I'm old. He's old. Hey, Tony. Yeah. shout this question. This is a serious question. Hey. I'm trying to be somber here. Hey. Oh, never mind. Any thoughts on the passing of Dan Marotti from Boston Wrestling, Tony? Well, as y'all well know, me and Dan, we did not leave on good terms. I think what Dan did to me was uncalled for. But in the Bible, it says, forgive and forget. The reason that God tells us that, because when you forget, until you forget, it keeps hurting you. So in order for me to, to heal my pain... I had to erase him from my mind. I, I came to the Martin Farrell show, and I expressed myself and how I felt about what he was doing. And I, to me, it was over. But I do feel uh, not happy about his passing. You know, because he never got a chance to redeem himself. Uh, not that I would have worked for him again, because... I was done with him. Okay. I, I would not have worked for him, but but I but I'm not happy with his passing. Now, let's put it that way. You know, I'm it, it, uh, I'm kind of sad that such a young man had to leave uh, so early, before he grew up to learn how to appreciate what he had and be more respectable towards others. Now he started attacking you guys because y'all were trying to help me. Mm -hmm. which I felt was wrong. Okay. I mean, neither one of y'all ever did anything to Dan Morello. There was no reason for Dan to attack Marty or to attack the Pharaoh. Well, y'all never did nothing to him. Uh, but we all make our own bed 
and we the one had to lie in it. He made his bed. Uh, he left out of here not a very likable person. So I kind of said that he didn't stay around long enough to grow up, to be appreciated of the position he had, and be a more appreciated of the guests that travel and work with him. You know what broke up our relationship was over a hundred bucks. A hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Is when Kobe hit, my prices on rental cars went up. I told Dan I can't afford okay. to pay that much for rental car. Okay. I said, just throw me a hundred dollars for the rental car. Didn't want to do it. He, you know, he felt that that I owe him something. You know. And like I said, I, I'm I'm sad about his passing. You, know, I'll be sad with anybody passed. You know, regardless if I like them or not. Oh, life is precious, because when you lose your life, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. You lose everything. Yeah. And I'm sure he had family and people that loved him and cared about him. And and it's the it's the ones we leave behind that it hurt the most. The ones we leave behind, like something happened to me. The people that are gonna get hurt the most will be my wife. My and my kids and my grandkids—they're going to be hurt, hurt the most. There'll be some fans hurt, but not as much as my wife. You know. How about the real Dan Marotti, though? Of course, the fans—and he had plenty of them with Boston Wrestling. They see the Dan Marotti on the presentation. What was he like in real life to you? I mean, did he change over the years? I mean, who was the real Dan Marotti? He to lost Tony a, Atlas? He, Well, he he put him in the same category as Sasha Banks. Sometimes we lose okay. appreciation. It's kind of like your mom. She feeds you, clothe you, raise you, gave birth. You grow up, and you start disrespecting her. Mm. And that's pretty much Sasha Bank, Becky Lynch, and Dan Marala, and Tony Atlas fell in the same boat. We was raised, nurtured, and taken care of. And then we turned on our parents, the ones that, that did the most for us is the one that we turn on the most. Because who done more from Sasha Bank than Vince? Who? Can't think of anyone. In the who traveled more the to Dan Morella's show and did more for Dan Morella than me? Understood. Understood. And I tried to make it reasonable for him. I mean, I didn't try to uh, price gouge him or, or anything. I tried to work at, for the lowest possible price. And I do that with a lot of people, people that work with me. You know, I... I, I I just want to make enough money where I don't feel stupid at the end of it, but I don't want to put you in the poorhouse doing it. You know, that just that's just how I do business. And people that work with me, you know, I negotiate a price with them that is reasonable, that I think. I don't ask people to pay extra stuff. You know, like when I travel, I pay my own gas, I pay my own rental car. I don't ask a promoter, well, I want this, plus you got to pay my rental car, plus you got to pay this, plus you got to pay I don't do all that to people. Because then I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm doing good, but the people that book me is not. <laughs> That's the only problem. Big Bassetti says out there, men make mistakes, Dan, too. Tony helped me many dark nights also. God bless. Wow. So, you know, there was one thing that we, we nice. I guess we should recognize is that you and Marathi <clears throat> together, on those shows, entertained many people through sure. some very, very hard times. Yep. So both of you should be respected for what you know what you accomplished there. You know, a lot of people out there were going, you know, with COVID and everything going on, their yep. lives are very tough. And mm -hmm. 
you did a wonderful job and Marathi together entertaining these fans. So, I mean, as bad as things ended up, there is some silver lining, I guess, maybe. Well, you know, since I've been in the wrestling business, the one person in the wrestling business that shows the fans more respect than any wrestler I ever met in my life, that Vince McMahon Jr. If you want to lose your job, refuse to sign an autograph. Really? I have seen Vince run. He's running late. And he got the big two suitcase in his hand. He's running to the limousine. And somebody would just walk up to him and say, Vince, can you sign that? He would drop them suitcases and sign. Really? Vince McMahon would never say no to a fan. Never. That's amazing. Because he he tell us guys all the time, without them, there's, there's nothing, no us. There's nothing. Hmm. You know, that's why he called it the wrestling universe. He didn't like the idea of calling them fans because a fan is like a follower. He said the wrestling universe, he said that makes the people feel more a part of it. It's pretty smart. Instead of a follower. It's pretty smart. Like a groupie, a fan, you know. You know, so the wrestling universe, you are a part of the WWE. He even sold shock, uh, uh, stock to fans. You know, you take $10 and buy a WWE stock. That, you know, 10 years from now, growing to $50,000. And it started at five. So he always catering to the, to the fans. And more so than the wrestlers. Which is what made him... Made him great. And I think the fans appreciate his appreciation of them. So, Young Rock, the Tony Atlas character, has finally appeared, season two. Um, Now, again, we've known you for a long time, and we've met other wrestlers and heard different stories. So I'm sure, or I'm not sure, that the show exaggerates situations. But one of the major storylines in the Young Rock is the jealousy of Rocky Johnson, of Tony Atlas. Uh, Would that be accurate? Yes. I was told that by Chief J. Strongboat. When Vince Sr. was going to team us up together, Chief went to Vince and said, do not put Tony with Rocket. He's going to destroy that kid. Put Tony back with SD. But but Senior said, yeah, but look how good they look together. But see, people don't realize Rocky was starting to be in the 60s. I started in the 70s. And if my mother said, never judge a person until you walk a mile in their shoes. And I sat here and I watched the program and I said, I wonder how I would have felt if the table was turned. That I have been in the business for 10 years. Here this young kid that only been in the business to have the time I've been in the business. And he's getting all the breaks. If you got to realize, Rocky never had a big break until they teamed up with me. I had big breaks in Georgia, mm-hmm. Charlotte, yep. many places. Mm-hmm. This was Rocket for the, all the years he's been in this business. And this is a true story here. If SD was lying, tell the same thing. He called Vince Sr. earlier when I was there. He wanted to come in. And Vince Sr. told him, said, well, I got Tony Atlas and I got SD Jones. If one of them, if one of them should leave, if one of them should leave, you could take their place. 
Well, of course, I left. So Rocket took my place. My first night back, Vince Sr. come to me. He asked me this. He said, uh, well, you know, I got Rocket now. I go, yes, sir. He said, do you want him to stay? He said, if you want me to get rid of him, I get rid of him. That's what Vince Sr. said to me. Okay. I said, oh, no. Let us, I said, I don't want nobody to lose their job. And Vince said, oh, great, because we are thinking about making you tag team partners. That's when Chief told him what I just told y'all. Hmm. He said, don't put Tony with Rock. He's going to mess him up. Sure enough, my first night back from uh, AWA, Vern Garden, my first night, Vince told no, I, back up. I just got back from L.A., Los Angeles. So I got, I, I got so, many, so much stuff that sometimes I get confused because I'm, I'm stupid like that. <laughs> but anyway, I just got back from L.A., and Vince said, do you want to go back to Los Angeles and get your car? Rocket said, hey, we're going to be tag team partner. He don't need to go back and get his car. He can ride with me. Plus, I got two cars. He can use one of me. He said, oh, hey, great. Thank you, Rocket. So I rode from uh, back to Allen, uh, to uh, New Haven, Connecticut, with Rocket Johnson. Rocket dropped off at the hotel. He, and the next day, we supposed to be in uh, Hartford. He said, I'll pick you up at 4 o'clock, kid. He says, it's about, a, it's about an hour drive. He said, but I like to get there a little bit early. We're going to stop at Church of Chicken and get some chicken. I said, oh, great, Rocket, great. Four o'clock come around, no Rocket. Five o'clock come around, no Rocket. So Finally, at six o'clock, I called Vince, Vince and went, get a cab. I jumped in the cab. I took a cab from uh, New Haven all the way to uh, uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Cost me 270-some bucks. Rocket said, hey, where were you? I looked all over for you. See, he wanted to get rid of me. Because that was his first big break in the business. And without me, he was the man. Well, let me ask you this question. You know the history of wrestling. I, this one's a very trick. I don't know this answer, so you could. But this is a fan. GDR says, Johnson was a main eventer at MLG. As a as black ebony diamond, MLG. Yeah, but these were but these were small territory. Right. Just like Florida was one state. Right. Right. One state. Mm-hmm. I was on Georgia Championship Wrestling and went into forty eight different states. Sure. I was in the Mid Atlantic that went into North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. So Rocket never really got a real big break in this business. The first black guy to ever get a big break in this business was probably, I mean, a huge break. Outside of me was JYD. Okay. JYD. Mm-hmm. You see, because when he wrestled Sweet Element Diamond, the territory was Florida. So nobody knew about him that didn't live in Florida. You go to Georgia, they didn't know who he were. You go to California, they didn't know who he were. But they knew who I were before I got there because of Georgia, chapter TBS. Mm. I was on the first cable, uh, uh, wrestling, wrestling cable show. Right. Went into four, the only states that, that it didn't go into was Alaska and Hawaii. Mm. That's the only place that people didn't know Tony Atlas. That's why when Vince brought me in, he didn't have to promote me. He never had to promote him because of Georgia. Same thing with Tommy Wildfire Rich. 
Tommy never really wrestled nowhere but Georgia, but everybody know him because Georgia Championship Wrestling TBS at that time went everywhere. So Dusty Rhodes, Terry Funk, a lot of guys would come from other territory just to work on that TV so they could get more popular. Bruiser Brody, God bless his soul, before he passed away, he said, Tony, people know me in Japan, people know me in Minneapolis and New York, they may know me a little bit in Japan or uh, in Puerto Rico. He said, but you know in more places than I've known because of that television. So I know Rocky Rassi and other territory, the main champion stuff. But what I mean by a big break, when you're on a big, a big scale. And that, the, the, the largest territory during that time was AWA, WWWF, and Mid-Atlantic. Mm. There was the biggest, that was it. Vern Garnier territory went from Minneapolis all the way to California. See? So, so you you were champion in AWA. You was known in many states because they went. You're like we, uh, Me and Jumpy Jim Bronzel, we wrestled a war warrior at the showboat in, in, in Las Vegas. That was all part of the AWA territory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But all the territory, what Rocky worked small territories. This was the first big territory. He never worked Mid-Atlantic. Not on top, and that was you know about the, the third biggest. AWA he never made a big splash in AWA, so that was the first time he was in a what I call a big territory. Mm -hmm. You know, you know yeah. bigger. Sure. If you watch for WWE back in the day, all your magazine uh, came out of New York. You know, Bill After, John yep. Lapalatana. Yep. There was all New York guy. Right so all. in order to get on the, the cover of the magazine, you got to wrestle in New York. Right. Right. You know, or, or Mid Atlantic. You know, something like like that. That's why Dusty Rose and them traveled to different to different territory so they could get more popular. Tony, you obviously traveled the world, and as we know, of course, you wrestled in Puerto Rico. You mentioned yeah. you mentioned Bruiser Brody before, so I have to ask you this because I've always wondered. And uh, please don't assault the uh, the questioner, but um, Dutch Mantel's role in all of this, it bothers me. Can you tell me your, at least uh, your your gut read or your, your what does your heart say? Uh, was Dutch Mantel involved in any aspect of Bruiser Brody's brutal and unjust murder? In any I way? doubt it. You doubt it? Please I really explain. doubt that, yeah. Please explain. Why? Because there's rumors, and I just would like you to address I, I, them if you I, can. I, 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 I doubt that. Uh, First of all, he was scared to death of Brody. <laughs> okay, but that doesn't stop somebody from. That, that, that wouldn't one. stop somebody from and, and, potentially and I conspiring. Think, and I think that, that I think that, that 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 he was Brody's friend. Okay, but uh, right. back in the wrestling, Mad Dog Vashon put it better than anybody over here. Mad Dog Vashon, hey kid, wrestling is a dog eat dog business, and you have to get your bite out of it. Clyde Bill said. Kid, when you finish this business, if you have one friend, consider yourself lucky. See, wrestlers are self-employed. And not many wrestlers, no matter what happened to you, did not want to jeopardize their job for you. And I think the thing with Dutch, he had to make a decision to stand by Brody. Or to lose his job. And Dutch was not getting booked that much. I mean, this was Dutch bread and butter down there. I mean, that's okay. where nobody was using Dutch. Okay. That's why he went to Puerto Rico. Carlo was taking care of Dutch. Okay. So Dutch is not going to blow 
an opportunity for himself because of what happened between him and another wrestler. Wrestlers are not friends. They're business associates. Any truth to the rumors? We become friends after our career. Any truth to the rumors with the, with the, with the stock or the company and stuff? Did Dutch have any interest in, in, in the company purchasing a part of the no, company? No, but Brody did. Brody told me that that moment. Okay. Brody said, Brody said, get it cleared up. That, go, that he going to take care of me because me and Brody didn't get along in Texas when he was the booker there, when George Scott left. Right. Brody screwed me and he screwed the Ultimate Warrior. When I left Texas, I went to Puerto Rico. Ultimate Warrior, he was a dingo warrior at the time. Mm-hmm. He left Texas, and he went to WWF right. and became the Ultimate Warrior for being the dingo warrior. So, But the reason that we left, because we were not getting booked. I mean, I was there for two months, and they didn't book me for two months. And Brody was the booker, which I blamed Brody for. And then later, Brody told me that he had nothing to do with it. He said, but kid, I'm going to take care of you here. He said, I waited a long time to get in down here. I think he gave him something like twenty dollars or $30,000. He, he wanted to buy Gorilla Monsoon shares. See, Gorilla Monsoon has shares in Puerto Rico. And I think Brody wanted to buy them. I think they were the shares he bought. Mm. And then, and then, but they, they, they took his money. But they didn't give him the sheriff. I'm going to say something to me. If I don't get my money, I'm just going to beat the hell out of everybody here. Mm. Mm. Now, you got to remind you, they left him at the hotel. He was the main event that night. They left him at the hotel. Okay. And guess who he was riding with? Jose. I asked him, I said, who are you waiting on? He said, I'm waiting on Jose. They rode the gutter the whole week. They were the gutter the whole week. The guy who eventually stuck him in the shower. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Tony, I'm going to make a hard left here. So we had Santana, Tito Santana in studio, and he really didn't want to sp- – I, I don't know if you know much about it. He didn't really want to speak about his uh, – he has a daughter that came out of the woodwork and uh, wanted to announce that she was Tito Santana's uh, child. daughter, yeah. child, mm-hmm. and uh, supposedly what I'm reading, there's some accusations of forcible – sexual assault and blah 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 you've been around can you share with me your thoughts on this situation and you know how hard it is for i think the best day for her to do if she is his daughter for them to do a dna she did a dna and supposedly it's accurate she is his daughter yes well my father left my mother with nine kids, and my mother had to raise nine kids by herself. I, for 10 years, when I was involved with drugs, I neglected my daughter. Luckily for me, uh, from age four to age 14, I neglected my daughter. Then when she was 14, I got a hold of her, I found her. And we man our relationship. And now my daughter loved me to death because I, you know, I stood up as a man. A lot of us men, we make babies. We don't want to take care of them. Mm. I don't know much about Tito's private life. I could consider Tito as one of my best friends. 
and I don't want to say nothing wrong about him. Sure. But if he is her father, he should step up to the plate. I was in Georgia in 2008, and this girl named Mickey, she said that she got a daughter by me. I've been wanting to do a DNA test for years. I just don't have the money to do it. Because I would like to know if she is my daughter. But it was 28 years later. And then she raised the girl to believe that somebody else was her father. And then finally she said, no, your real father is Tony. Her name is Mickey. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And one day, when I get enough money, I'm going to do a DNA to see if that's my daughter. And if she is my daughter, I'm going to step up to the plate. So I tell Tito as a friend, if she is your daughter, step up to the plate. Don't, don't, don't do that girl like that. I mean, don't ignore her. Don't kick her to the curb. Because that'll come back to haunt you, if, it was, if it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like you said, she took the DNA, and the DNA says she is. That, that's a tough one. And I don't want to talk bad about Tito because I love Tito to death. Tito's been a friend of mine for a long time. He helped me out a lot, of, a lot. And it's kind of surprised that I would hear that Tito would walk out on his daughter. I, it, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. Hard to believe. Biggs Bassetti out there says Jenny Santana never came out with any of this until her husband left her with a bunch of kids and all of a sudden she was a Santana. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So like I said, we all, I'm the last person on this planet to criticize anybody because I don't think there's nobody out here screwed up more than I did. Because when you look, (laughs) Stephanie McMahon, Tickle me one day. She said, Tony, you've been hired and fired by the WWF more than any wrestler we ever had. And it was true. You have the record? I, I got Very the record for Tony. being fired and hired more wow. than any wrestler they ever had. All right. So with me, I kept screwing up, but they kept trying to, they stayed trying to, and, and, and what a lot of guys said, well, the only way they did it to him because you was money. I made them money. I mean, I, I was ahead of my time. There, there was no muscle man that wrestled back in them days that could move and do things. Most muscle men, they did a strong man act. They didn't wrestle. They didn't throw drop kicks. I don't think anybody ever seen Alvin Puskett or Superstar Billy Graham throw a drop kick. But Tony Atten did. Now, Bobby Lassie, I think he's outstanding. He's pretty fantastic. He's, yeah. To he be is. a muscle man, the he, way he moves with all yeah. that muscle, mm-hmm. you know, no, he he freaking outstanding. Brock Lesnar, I think he's freaking outstanding. He's you know, amazing. of all the wrestlers in the right, yeah. uh, uh, Roman Reigns, that's yep. another big yep. muscle guy that could yep. move around the ring. For we sure. used to be impressed years ago when we had a fat guy that could move, like King Kong Bundy or Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> right, right. Bam, the, Bam. The best, oh, yeah. the best I ever seen in my life. For and I, I'm not. I don't want to say fat because today is not a good word to call people uh, obese. Okay. Uh, what is it? Uh, large. Overweight? How about large? Heavy. Heavy person. <laughs> Heavy. That's a good word. Okay. The, if y'all got to look him up one day, his name is Crusher Jarrett Blackwell. Oh, Crusher Blackwell. Sure. You know he threw drop kicks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this in the 70s. And he's 400 plus. Yeah. 400 plus. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. we, we drop kick you right in the face. And we thought that was, my goodness. Because he'd say one night, he said, Tony, I'm going to drop kick you tonight. I started laughing. As I was laughing, his foot was in my face. 
I was shocked because wow. who would have expect? He had a belly that hung down to his knees almost, mm-hmm. and he was he had no muscle. Was you know? I'm just I'm just curious. You, you you've got the record for the most uh, terminations at the WWE. If you pick up the phone and, and call Vince, does he answer? Do you get Vince on the phone quickly? No, no. You'd have to you'd have to work at it a couple of days to get Vince to call you back. I'm just no. curious. I never tried. You've never called. They always call you. They bring you back, and then they fire you. Then they call you again. Is that how this works? Yeah. Never once gave Vince a phone call. No. Very interesting. No. Interesting. So Never before, call. Before Farrell's final question, I do want to uh, – Tommy Rich was in here. He was telling a pretty cool story, and then me and Farrell were like, cut him off about something. I forget what we were speaking Did to him we? about. Yeah, we – I, I think I jumped on it. Drink it again. Uh, he was speaking about when he was tag team with you, and my question was, you know – being a white man in that time, wrestling with a black man, did he get a lot of pressure and a lot of problems with it? And then he started discussing something. I don't know if, Tony, if you could continue on with that story, if you remember. Well, first of all, I want people to know, Tommy Wildfire Rich is not my friend. He's my brother. There you go. His mother seen us together, and she said, this is your brother. Y'all are brother. Me and Tommy River were like brother. We did everything together. We fought together. We got drunk together. We got laid together. One time they go to in a, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and Ole Anderson was the booker. They were part of the Minnesota record crew, Ole and Gene Anderson. The the first Anderson brother was Laws and Gene. Mm-hmm. And then Ole came along Later, and Ole had his big mouth. He was great on the microphone. So they started pushing Ole Anderson. And then a fan of Lars Anderson ended up leaving and left Gene and Ole. They called himself Minnesota Red Crew. But anyway, they came to the office, KKK members. And they, I hope I don't get in trouble. I'm going to talk the way they said it. Can I do that? Yeah. Okay. They came to the office. To talk to Ole and, and a guy named Charlie Smith. Now Charlie Smith is still alive. Ole is still alive too, but from what I hear, he's kind of goofy. We well, always been goofy, but even more goofy now. And I love Ole, cause Ole is a straight shooter. He would tell the truth, whether he hurt or not. He would tell the truth. If you had a bad match, Ole said, "You're the drizzling shits." <laughs> he would just tell you that, you know. Uh, but anyway, they came to the office. And me and Tommy was in there training some uh, some of the kids. They had a, a gym with the ring uh, where they used to have wrestling there before they started going to the auditorium. And they said, hey, uh, y'all bringing that nigga to our show? And Ole Anderson said, yeah, we bringing our nigga. Because Ole used to call you nigga all the time. He had no, no bones about it. Uh, because he got picked on a lot because he was Polish. So he was called a dumb Polak all the time. So he was giving it back to people. So he would call your name because they, they call him name. And uh, in the wrestling business, you have to be tough to that. You know, especially in the older days, fans would call you names. Fans would spit on you. They would throw things on you. You could not turn around and punch a fan. You had to suck it up and take it. If you couldn't take it, you was in the wrong business. So Ole came in and told me. He said, yeah, he's going up. So then they left. So I'm in the car with Tommy Rich, and we get in this, this town called Conyer, Georgia. 
Concord, Georgia, or something like that. They had a sign that said, nigga, don't let the sun set on your ass. Mm. I said, Tommy, take me back. Yeah, turn around. <laughs> we go, go back the other way. Yeah. Tommy said, yeah. hey, T, I got you back, T. You, you all right, T? You with me, brother. Don't worry about nothing. <laughs> Tommy, take me back. So Tommy took me where my car was because Conyer, Georgia is, is, is in the suburb of Atlanta. It's not that far. So where I left my car, I got my car. I didn't make that shot. And that's the shot that Tommy was talking about. I said, yeah, there was one town that Tony wouldn't go to. That's the town we're talking about. It was called Conyer, Georgia. And then they told me a story about they had a, a, a black policeman and they ran him out of town. How the hell, if they run a police bar in town, what the hell are they going to do with me? Right, right. Mm. We're called Con- Conquer, Georgia, something like it. Right mm. outside. Mm. If I look on the map, you can see the name. Yeah, Georgia. But but they, but they, they was real racist uh, back in them days. I remember I was driving with Klondike Bill in North Carolina, and uh, they, took all, they didn't have all the interstate. It take a lot of back roads. Like going from a, you know, a lot of back roads back in the 70s. So it was this one place that we used to stop at all the time, Klondike Bill did, at Johnny Weaver. And because the food was fantastic. See, they didn't have all the McDonald's. Most of them were truck stops. Mm-hmm. So you stop at these different truck stops. They sure. had these stops for trucks, not for everyday people. Because mm-hmm. most people, they didn't travel like they did now. You know, you, you, you grew up. If you grew up in North in Charlotte, North Carolina, you died in South Charlotte, North Carolina. People didn't migrate all the place like they do now. And I kept and, and I was sitting there. I used to sit in the car, and they would go in and they would get some food and bring it to the car too because I couldn't go in because this is early seventy, and they had just desegregated America. But there was still a lot of business that they believed that they had the right to choose who they want in their restaurant. I mean, the government was not really coming down on them that much, like they do now. You know, to now, the guy, these people have been sued. So the guy, the guy said, looked out the window, and he asked Johnny Weaver, Hey, is that that Black Atlas? Because he's wearing a mask, his Black Atlas. And, and he said, yeah, that's him. He said, boy, that boy got some muscle, don't it? This is what Johnny is telling me. And he said, yeah. He said, boy, I never saw a man built like him. He said, I'd like to meet him. So Klondike said, oh, I go get him. So Klondike Bill got up, walked out to the car, said, Tony, they want to, the, the, the owner want to see you. So I go in. We take pictures together. They had the old Polaroid cameras there. He said, go put that on the wall. Take pictures together and everything. And I said, what is that smell? He said, that's my chili. He had the best chili in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, this side of the Macy Dixon land. You never gonna find any butter chili than my chili. So I said, wow. So I figured I took pictures with him. I got invited in the store. I said, is it possible that uh I have a bowl of that? He said, Tony, I would love to, but we don't serve niggas here. So I said, Well, sir, I don't mean no harm, but I don't want one anyway. I just want a bowl of chili. Mm. The man started laughing. The everybody in the whole place started laughing. So he said, I'll tell you what, you sat down there. I'm going to give you a bowl of chili. I was the first black, but I didn't let it get to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And because I didn't let it get to me, the guy was just shocked. Right, right. And he told Clyde, he said, every time y'all come through here, y'all bring that Tony in here. I don't care what my customer said. Tony could eat here anytime he wants. Nice. I got called a nigga every time I went in there, but (sighs) the chili was good. (laughs) 
All right, so clear the clear the air on this. The, the big rumor when it comes to your your, your brother Tommy Rich was uh, his relationship with Jim Barnett. Did you ever ask him? Did he have to do now, certain things for Barnett? This is where people got mistaken with Tommy Rich. There was only one thing, one thing, and one thing only that Barnett liked about Tommy Rich. One thing. Money. The first night, y'all don't realize this, Tommy Rich became a star in one night. This is how it happened. They brought Tommy in to be a jobber. Right. He's right. going to be a jobber right. for Abdullah the Butcher. Abdullah. Because Abdullah, yeah. what he would do, Abdullah wrestled six months in the States. Mm-hmm. Then he wrestled six months in Japan. Sure. So Abdullah had just came back from uh, from Japan. And they didn't want Abdullah to beat up all, destroy all the talent in Georgia. So they were bringing in talent to feed Abdullah from other places. Where Tommy Rich came through that curtain. Young, good-looking. You seen pictures of him when he was oh, young. Oh, yeah. I rock mean, this, he was the first Dwayne Johnson. He's a rock star. Just a beautiful young kid. He came through that door, and the freaking women went nuts. I bet. I bet. Tommy could not get to the ring. <laughs> His first night, he could not make it to the ring. Wow. They had to get people to move the women back to let him in the ring. They wanted to rape him going to the ring. He, he just walked through the door, and the place went freaking ape. Amazing. Barnett was standing there. I had a mask on there, and I was black at it. He said, can you believe this? He said, they ain't even seen a wrestler yet. Right. Because him. all wrestlers were big, rugged. You know, we were not pretty people. Right. You know, if you're a pretty, you know, like we call Ric Flair a pretty boy. Right. But right. Tommy was a pretty boy. Right. Right. So anyway, make a long story short, Abdullah started getting heat. Now, for the fans that don't know what heat means, Abdullah started beating up on poor Tommy, on, on, on Tommy. the kid. And Tommy had this bright, silky blonde hair that turned red. Ooh. The hair turned completely red. You're making the women very angry beating him up like this. The oh yeah, Ole Anderson ran to the back. I I just finished my match. I wrestled the Missouri Mauler. Okay, uh, uh, that night, and he said, "Tony, get your black ass out there and run Abdullah off." He said, "We're going to have a ride." The people was coming to the ring to they're get getting, Abdullah. They're getting, they're getting Abdullah crazy. was shaking. Yeah. He was scared to death. <laughs> he was scared to death. So where's my? Chair? I put my mask on and I spoke <laughs> and I spoke to tie it so it don't come off. Well, I forgot to tie it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I run to the ring. Wardrobe Abdullah, malfunction. Abdullah, when I looked at Abdullah, Tommy was a hell of a seller. That's what got him over. The way he, you know, he was a hell of a seller. Right. So Tommy sold it so well that the people wanted to kill Abdullah. Abdullah could not get out of the ring. So when I jump in the ring, Abdullah's eyes was as big as two fifty-six piece. And Abdullah looked at me and said, slam me. And he'd never been slammed before. So I picked Abdullah up to give him a slap. Because he was so big and my mask was tight, my mask came out. <laughs> One drill malfunction. And I had a big afro. Now imagine this. My head is like this. Poof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great, you big dummy. <laughs> I remember one lady was sitting in the audience. But that, that, oh, my Lord. You know, it was like this. Yeah, poof. It just shot out just like yeah. this. Oh, God. So then I, I I slammed Abdullah, and I started fighting Abdullah. Abdullah said, stay on me, kid. Stay on me. So I'm, I'm hitting Abdullah. Abdullah's backing up, trying to get back to the dressing because they want to kill him. Right. The next day, 
was on a show they called the Freddie Muller Show. And you can call Tommy up and ask him that. Barnett came in and said, Odie, I want you to start pushing him. Did you see the reaction of that crowd? <laughs> he said, I want you to push him. And Odie, Odie didn't like it because Tommy didn't have the big muscles. Right. He was skinny back then. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah they, sure. He, didn't have, he right. had good legs. He only right. had good legs. He was in but shape, he, but he wasn't jacked. Right, right. right. He wasn't... Right. Yeah, but but his upper body was, was thin. not strong looking. Right, right, but right. But he, he had good legs. Okay. You know, he always had, had, had big, strong looking legs. So he said, Odin, I want you to start using him. And Odin said, well, look at him. He's got no muscle, got no chest, you know, flat chest. And he said, well, just put him with Tony Atlas. You see, I think they, they, they do good together. So he put him with me. So I'm on TV. Odin said, you got to get him over. You got to get him over with the fan. And I said, this is my friend Tommy Rich. He's not, he don't have 22-inch bicep. He don't have a 50-inch chest. He can't bench press 500 pounds. But what Tommy got is fire. Nice. He got a lot of fire. Nice. He's like a wildfire. Oh, he boy. burned up that ring. He's Cha-ching. like a wildfire. Cha-ching. The next day, we go in the ring together. And I've been there for about a year and a half longer than Tommy. Mm-hmm. And everybody started hollering, wildfire, wildfire. <laughs> I gave him that name man, by accident. Oh man. Man, Unbelievable. Oh man. You need royalties. Yeah, really. All right, we're almost done, Tony. I want to thank you for joining us. It's always, always a pleasure to have you. Send us out with that story about Greg Valentine, Pharaoh's favorite. And what was that now? Didn't Valentine try to – he got a, a message was sent out to take care of you by Vince. I thought we Well, not just him. Valentine. Ouch. See, I always knew when I got in the ring – with people. They won't sell for you. So you have to take it. See, Vince with, with, Vince told me this, because he was pissed at me. He said, I can't use you on bottom because you're too good. Right. And I can't use you on top. Because? You're too good to be on bottom, but I can't use you on top. There was no because for the on top. So what Vince liked to do with people, he liked to, in the olden days, not now, but in the olden days, they would beat you up before you leave. That that what happened with Ernie Land and, and, and the Briscoe. They tried to beat up Ernie Land, but Ernie Land ended up beating them up. Eddie Graham was known for that. He would get shooters around like Bob Roop and all these guys. Mm-hmm. And when a guy screw up or something, they put a shooter in mm-hmm. to beat you up in the ring. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to get beaten up, Vince don't want you. They didn't want you getting beat up. Now, I ain't talking about Vince Jr. I'm talking about that's how the business was. Sure. They would put somebody in that could just beat the crap out of you. Sure. So, and they could make money at the same time. Then they tell people, well, they got a grudge. It's a grudge match. You ever hear the term, you know, the grudge match? A grudge match is really a real fight. Right. But they do it in the ring so they can make money. Why beat the guy up in the dressing room where nobody can see it? Take him in the ring and beat the crap out of him where everybody can see it. You make money. Because mm. people love to see a real fight. That's mm. why people used to ask the question, is wrestling fake or not? Because sometimes they would have two wrestlers that they hated each other. So the promoter would put them in a match against each other. Let them kill each other. Yeah. yeah. But during that time, everybody was like that. Piper was like that. Piper would not sell for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valentine didn't want to sell for me. Mm. You watch match with me and Paul Ondo. They wanted to go in and they wanted to just beat you up because I'm the one doing the job. So they figured if he's doing the job, he don't mean nothing to the office. But see, I was trained by Carl Gott, Killer Kowalski, Klondike Bill, Johnny Weaver, Wahoo McDaniel, the old school. And they said, kid, 
You have to learn how to take care of yourself. He said, there's nothing wrong with losing. It's how you lose. He said, if you're going to lose a match, make sure you take. Make sure you take 70% of that match. He said, if you do that, the fan will always be behind you. S.D. Jones did that. That's why S.D. never won a match, but the fans love him. Johnny Ross number one, but the fans loved it because right. Johnny yeah. Ross would take his share. Sure. sure, you may beat Johnny, but he go Johnny going to take at least at least seventy percent of that match. With Johnny Ross, he would lay down for you at the end, but during the match, he would <laughs> fight you tooth and nail, brother, mm. tooth mm. and freaking nail. He would not back up for one iota, and S.D. Jones was like that. So I knew that from the old school to keep Vince from killing me off. They, there's a match y'all got to show where I wrestle Adrian Adonis ah. in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. At the end of the match, I put Adrian Adonis over. You can hear every audience at Madison Square Garden saying these words, bullshit, bullshit, <laughs> got the bullshit. Chance, huh? Got the chance. Okay. But I made myself look so good mm-hmm. that when I lost, it looked fake. Right. That's right. why Vince had to get rid of me. Tony, I got I to gotta ask this. He just, couldn't beat me in the ring. I got to ask this just for the hell of it. I mean, he tried I, to get Bundy to beat me up. And I'm going to go Bundy? back to the to thank Bundy for the match. And Bundy said, Tony Atlas, Vince pressed 600 pounds. When I was a rookie, he pressed me over his head. Yeah. He pressed 300 pound men over his head. Yeah. He's a state wrestling champion, yeah. Golden Glove boxing champion. He said, I'm a worker, vest, not a shooter. There he said, go. You want somebody to shoot with Tony Atlas? There you go. You go and get somebody that's been in the Olympics. So is, is it safe to say that if Valentine followed instructions and you guys are going at it for real, this is not going to turn out well for my family? I wasn't going to give him nothing. He wasn't giving me nothing. It would have been I a hell was of a fight then. then. Okay. That when I was Sabah Simba. Right. But but because he was tag team of doing real good with uh the Honky Talk man. Remember they had that tag the, the team? Rhythm and yeah. blues. Rhythm and blues. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. was he was like on top right. and I was at Vince and this was doing uh, uh after I left AWA and so Vince brought me back to kill me off, to jar me out. Uh-huh. I never want to match that whole for two years. I right. lost for two years. So he's sending black-haired Valentine after you. That's not the same anyway. Uh, That's not the same anyway, sending a black-haired Valentine. Was it he have black hair when he was in Rhythm and Blues? Yeah, yeah, black yeah, hair. Yeah, that's not the same. Yep, 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 yep. Right. yep. He was with him and the Hawk Talk, and they was pushing Ted DiBiase. So they had a whole new crew. So all of us old guys, that's where, that's why Rocket number went back, because Rocket Johnson, they started jobbing us out after we lost the belt. Sure. So Rocky in Madison Square Garden, when we left, Rocky walked up to, and, and, and The Rock brought that up. was mad at his dad for leaving. Because Mama Rocky was not in WrestleMania 2, and I was. So I, I remember The Rock brought that up in the program and said, say, yeah, we you could have been in uh, WrestleMania, WrestleMania right. 2 with Tony Atlas. Right. Well, what Rocky did, he told Vince, you are not going to make a jobber out of me like you did S.D. Jones. And he mm. walked out. Mm. Well, with that, Tony, want to thank the fans for joining us. Want to thank you for joining us. Thanks, thank you for well, answering you, all Marty. these questions. And Farrow, you want to send us out? You've been watching Marty and the Farrow with the oh, legendary. Say can I was hoping you I could get through it before he started singing. Doesn't look like by it. the dawn <laughs> early light. 
what so proudly we hear at the twilight last gleaming and who so strife and bright star through the power of dawn was so proudly we hear that our flag was still there. Oh, Satan, star spangle, banner, way From the land of the free. proud of who we are americans and there you have it folks god bless my underwear see you next week later